As Pastor Steve mentioned last week, we are making our way through Paul's letter to the Philippians as we explore the journey to joy. This week, we're in the second chapter of Philippians. When Steve had made this assignment months ago, I got excited to preach on this text. I had made a note in my Bible when I was in seminary that the Christ hymn in those verses 6 through 11 are the heartbeat of the whole letter. I thought, even I might be able to hit this one out of the park. So imagine my surprise when I saw this exact text listed in the bulletin on January 12th. Steve stole my text. (laughs) Steve, of course, preached an excellent sermon on the first 11 verses of the second chapter of Philippians. You may remember how we focused on the Christ hymn nestled in this chapter and how it is like the song you can't get out of your head. Trust me, I thought about reading his sermon to you today. But that's okay. I'm going to carry on, Steve. I forgive you. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm always open for a good challenge. So let's take a look at verses 12 through 18. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the words just read and the words to come that they might point to you, the Word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So it turns out there are some real gems in this section of Paul's letter. I was reminded of those timeless truths in Scripture. Paul was calling his generation crooked and perverse. A quick glance at the headlines today can sometimes make our generation feel crooked and perverse. So in this environment, which we obviously can still relate to, the Apostle Paul calls us as children of God to do all things without murmuring and grumbling. I like the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message, do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. It was true then, and it's true now. There is nothing worse than a grumpy Christian. 
You may remember that story about the woman who was sitting at the traffic light behind a car that wouldn't move through the light when it turned green. She kind of lost her marbles, honking the horn and beating on her steering wheel and cursing up a storm. When the police officer pulls up behind her, he ends up arresting her, taking her down to the police station, and after a few hours in jail, she's taken back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting. The officer said, ma'am, I am so sorry about the mistake. When I pulled up behind you, you were cursing and honking your horn, and as I was sitting there, I noticed those bumper stickers on the back of your car. What would Jesus do? Follow me to Sunday school. And right in the middle, that Christian fish emblem. So I thought for sure you had stolen the car. <laughs> well, Paul had a few more trials and tribulations than just getting stuck at a traffic light. Yet somehow, he was still filled with joy. You see, Paul had started that church in Philippi, and he loved those people. He mentored, taught, and he shared the love of Christ with them. His connection with Jesus and with those people gave him great joy. And because of the investment Paul made in their lives, he was in a position to ask them to do hard things, like to not grumble and argue. He knew this encouragement would help them to shine like stars in a dark world. Well, there's another phrase in this section that also captured my imagination. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, and here it is, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. Since Paul is in prison, he can't physically be with them, but he has nurtured, cultivated, and empowered them to continue on, to thrive, and to shine like stars, even when he's not there. This reminds me of scout leaders. In my home, where we were breathing in what felt like at times toxic levels of estrogen with our five girls, we experienced Girl Scouting. I became the Girl Scout leader of two different troops. These little sweethearts start out as daisies when they're only five years old, and then they bridge over to brownies in first grade, and then on to juniors in about fifth grade, I think. Well, that's as far as my crew got, and six years was enough for me. But I remember one time watching a Girl Scout leader with an older troop sitting on her camp chair, and smiling as her girls were setting up the tents, preparing for the meal, planning the blessing, and all of the activities for that day. At the time, my troop was young, early elementary. I was up to my elbows in meaningful crafts and nature hike walks, drawing tears from bug bites and bruises and homesickness, and holding sticky little hands on the way to the latrine in the middle of the night. That experienced Girl Scout leader had said to me, your job is to work your way into the camping chair. <laughs> At that time, I thought, inconceivable. But then I was talking to one of my friends whose family has been in Boy Scouts for over a decade. 
And she said that in Cub Scouts, she and her husband and other adults did all the planning and leading and teaching and modeling of those meetings. But in Boy Scouts, the adults are now sitting in the back of the room while the Boy Scouts lead. And the older boys are modeling and teaching the younger boys as they go on campouts and earn badges. I have known Alexander Vefeus for most of his life. When we look back at him as a Cub Scout, it would be hard to imagine the growth and the leadership that has occurred because of his parents scouting his teacher, his teachers, and his church family. This 16-year-old is now 5 foot 11 and he is planning his Eagle Scout project to benefit us, his church family, by building that outdoor worship space and fire pit. An Eagle project is a chance to put all of one's scouting training into practice in a big way. As a Cub Scout, inconceivable. But for the mentors along the path who shine like stars, Alexander and others like him have been given roots and wings. It's not unlike parenting. Remember when you were first learning to ride a bicycle? Most of us were taught the rules, things like basic hand signals, or to get off your bike and walk it across a busy road. So the foundation is set, and now you're ready to actually ride your bike. So your mom or your dad hold on to the seat and jog next to you as you start pedaling. Imagine if your parent never let go of the bike, you would forever be limited to only going as far and as fast as your parent could run. The parents who can let go, those who give roots and wings also shine like stars. But I think we need to take a closer look at that phrase, shining like stars. I first imagined spotlight and notoriety like movie stars and other famous people receive. Paul definitely wanted the Philippians to shine rather than feeling intimidated by the pagans or hiding and covering from their society. I read one commentary that said, the Greek phrase, shining as stars in the universe, is probably more accurately translated as appearing as luminaries in the world. Either way, Paul wanted the words and the actions of the Philippians to shine brightly to those around them. And let's take a look at the word stars. For most of us 21st century people, stars are merely beautiful objects in the night sky. But for people in the first century, stars were not only beautiful, but they were seen as part of a divinely created harmonious order. Paul wanted the church community to be a shining example of a beautifully ordered society living together in harmony. Stars were also indispensable in navigation. The movements and the patterns of the stars showed direction, and travelers studied and watched them carefully on their journey. By holding on to Jesus Christ, who is called the word of life in verse 16, the Christians at Philippi could illuminate the path and lead people home to Christ. So to be a shining star 
is to be a luminary for others. Our 2020 confirmation class began last month, and you may have noticed them sitting behind the organ in the first couple of pews. Along with lock-ins and serving at the 90s luncheon, these eighth graders, their mentors, and their confirmation teacher gather for two hours most Sundays between January and April. We split our worship time between the traditional and the contemporary services. As these young people are exploring their faith, we intentionally invite adult mentors who love God to be luminaries. We know the importance of staying connected to God and to one another. We are not meant to do faith alone. And for that reason, one of the memory verses for our confirmation class this year comes from the Gospel of John. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. This is kind of like the relationship Stacy King had to his teammate, basketball legend Michael Jordan. King said, after Michael Jordan had scored a playoff record 69 points, I'll always remember this as the night Michael and I combined to score 70 points. <laughs> as we stay connected to Jesus, being of the same mind, having the same love, doing nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility, regarding others as better than ourselves, we are able to be the light along someone's path to guide them home. We are able to shine like stars. This reminds me of the book by Shel Silverstein called The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. Silverstein tells the tale of a lonely little wedge that dreams of finding a big circle which it can fit so that they can roll along and go everywhere together. Various shapes come by, but none are quite right. Some fit, but could not roll. Others could roll, but did not fit. At last, one comes along that fits just right, and the two blissfully roll away together. But then something strange starts to happen. The missing piece begins to grow, as soon, and soon they no longer fit, and they no longer can roll. I didn't know you were going to grow, said the piece that stayed static. I didn't know it either, said the missing piece. The missing piece was alone again, waiting. At last, a shape comes by that looks completely different. It has no piece missing at all and introduces itself as the big O. The wedge was so excited. I think you're the one I've been waiting for. Maybe I am your missing piece. But I'm not missing a piece, said the big O. There is no place that you would fit. That's too bad, said the missing piece. I, I was hoping that maybe I could roll with you. You cannot roll with me, said the big O. But perhaps you can roll by yourself. With truth and grace, big O coaches and empowers the missing piece 
to soften its hard edges and to be all it can be until one day they were both rolling along side by side. Shining stars are like that. Shining stars are mentors who breathe life into others. They never are about just giving information. They are about relationship and connection because that, my friends, is where the joy is. They are not about having all the spotlights shining on them. They are about shining a light on the path to help others find their way home. An important reminder for us all, I think, is that interconnection we have with one another. I have heard it said that we should always be mentoring someone a little behind us on the journey, often someone younger, as well as being mentored by someone ahead of us on the journey, sometimes older, sometimes not. I got a glimpse of this mentoring in our middle school youth group on this last Wednesday night as I watched seven amazing high school students pouring in to middle school students. I know it happens at Wilkinson with our first graders and in our tutoring program. The real beauty and joy is the mutuality of these relationships. Each person is learning and growing and shining more brightly for others to see. Aubrey was a kind and bright high school student who always made good grades until she took chemistry. Somehow, she just didn't get it, no matter how hard she tried. As a matter of fact, she ended up failing the course. Fortunately, her teacher was a life-giving mentor. He knew how devastating it would be for Aubrey and her parents to see an F on her report card, but still he had to give her the grade. He vacillated over how to deal with the situation. Finally, he found the answer by offering both grace and truth. On her report card, he simply put an F next to the subject chemistry. However, on the same line, he wrote these words, we cannot all be chemists, but oh, how we would all love to be Aubrey's. The Apostle Paul says, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, roots and wings, truth and grace, shining like stars to light the path of someone else.